Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. I'm delighted to have a couple of good friends back on the podcast. You know them well. If you've been listening for any length of time at all, Melinda Schmidt and Michelle Van Loon, and I will officially say hello in just a second. Just a quick reminder, we're coming to the end of the year, and um, you all have been generous with Faith Conversations. Some of you have been longtime supporters. Some are new supporters. Some of you still are trying to figure out Patreon. Frankly, I can't figure it out myself sometimes. And I think what has served people well is instead of giving a per episode gift, just send in a $30 check for the year. Another favorite podcaster of mine encourages his audience to do that. And I thought, what a good idea. That's doable. $30 and away you go. You can do that via PayPal, and the email address is producer at anitalustria.com. You can find my address on the mailing address at my website, anitalustria.com, and that's um, and send a check via the mail. Some people like to do that and, and write a note, et cetera, et cetera. You can find me on Venmo, Apple Pay, all that kind of stuff. So if you can't figure any of that out, just email me and ask me at producer at anitalustria.com. I have a question. Oh, yes, yes. I see so that hand. <laughs> how do they find you on Venmo and PayPal? And I know. I know. Well, PayPal. So PayPal, the email address that they need for that is producer at anitalustria.com. Venmo. I know. I always, it's, uh, what is it there? It's, for you. It's, um, an, an, it's a, some weird, uh, of course, I should know all this, right? <laughs> Apple Pay. That's why I say just email oh, me. Is producer. it the Anita Dash Murphy Dash Twenty? Yes, that's it. Are they dashes or are they underscores? Yeah, I think they're, they're dashes. dashes. Say I it again. I suppose I could give you thirty dollars right now, and you can see if it comes. <laughs> oh, it's certainly yeah. worth at least thirty dollars to listen yeah. to this podcast for you. Totally. <laughs> oh man, you guys. 20. All right. I always forget Go the for thing. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, you guys. Well, I am delighted to have you both back on the podcast. You are my conversation buddies. And just for those who are unfamiliar, Melinda Schmidt and I co-hosted a radio show for many, many years uh, so on Moody fun. Radio, Midday Connection. We um, had great days, great times. And uh, many of you have followed Faith Conversations from uh, oh, Midday Connection. And uh, Michelle, boy, we got to know Michelle Van Loon when she was a guest she was on a guest. Midday Connection. Yeah. And you talked to her more than I did back in yeah. midday we days. talk about the regret book? Yep. Michelle. You did a four-part series. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And you came downtown for that and wonderful. Just like a big girl. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you two were in a conversation group together in Chicago, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. It was and so I always loved Michelle's perspective. And she's yeah. a great thinker and great exposure to a lot of sources and just on her own mm -hmm. is is a wonderful um, 
many faceted thinker. And that, I mean, she takes faith into accountability and history and current culture and then just great resources she's read. So well said. I really, yeah. really appreciated conversing with her. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And yeah. I just want to mention, Michelle, your latest book for people who are unaware. You've written many books. The latest one is Translating Your Past. And um, I'm we'll post that um on the show notes and and on the Faith Conversations page um this week too. So and that is well worth getting. That's a an excellent book. Um, So thank you for that. But I feel so privileged because the three of us are in uh, like a text conversation. We have our own conversation group. It's on a text thread because Michelle and I are in Florida. Melinda, you're in California. And so, you know, we're not able to sit down at a coffee shop, but we can text. And the things we text about are fascinating. And last week I was realizing, wow, there's depth and breadth. I've always known that to what we talk about, but I, but, you know, in recent weeks, we've had the world cup, uh, the, the protests going on in Iran, and then things have erupted in China. And uh, Melinda, you were posting articles in our text thread. And I was just thinking, wow, this, I guess my thought, this is how Christians need to engage. We need to be knowledgeable. We need to know what's going on in the world. Uh, and some people might push back and go, man, I've got to be watching, listening to news all the time. That's not true because we are not on our text thread all day long. You know, this is a little bit. So thoughts on that. I I mean, there's a a lot of information exchange and conversation about this, uh, about world events and other things, but lately world events. How important is that, Michelle, uh, to those of us who are followers of Jesus? Well, first of all, I do have to pull the curtain back on that text thread just a tiny bit to say, in addition to serious stuff, there are also TikTok videos that <laughs> mean kind of Instagram reels. <laughs> oh, let's just be real here. <laughs> but <clears throat> we need, we need that, um, as well those those shine a light on our popular culture as well and what we're thinking about and questioning but um i've i've known a lot of people who've said i just i i get freaked out by the news i can't be bothered i just need to follow jesus i just need to take care of my family and my home and i understand that because if you bathe in the news, eventually it it takes your soul to a really dark place. I have a pretty high capacity for information intake. I always have. So the amount that I can ingest probably is too much for somebody else. It might be not be enough for somebody way over there. Um, but I think that God had us live in this place, in this time, and we're always connected to other people in community. And so being able to to be aware of the way the winds are blowing in our culture, um, 
whether it's political or whether it's a pop culture moment, um, makes us able to be more conversational with other people. You know, if if we're at a gathering, this is the holiday season that we're recording. Many of us are going to be bumping up against people and um, doing the dreaded maybe small talk. Small talk sometimes <laughs> leads to big talk. But um, to be kind of dialed into what people are thinking about and hearing in the news, worrying about, um, I think has really high value. And yes, it's uncomfortable, but it's not, um, it, it can be a spiritual discipline if you're coupling it with loving God with your mind and prayer. Yeah. That's my yeah. sermon. I'm done. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Stay right there. <laughs> um, I just wanted to add also the element of what I feel like in conversation with the two of you is iron sharpening iron. There were things that I was unaware of. I was unaware of all of the migrant workers that were killed in Qatar. I can never say it. Qatar. 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 Yeah. I had, I had no idea. Melinda, I think you put a yeah, uh, my kids got article. me onto that. Terrible. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't have known if I hadn't been in conversation with you two. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting just the different topics that ring our bell that that kind of show up and then the funny memes, uh, you know, from time to time. But I think something that honestly helps is that we're pretty much in the same lane politically. And that makes a difference these days. So the topics, you know, we're open to them. And I know there are other threads I'm in where, you know, we've just said, no, nothing political, nothing about the world. It's just mostly, you know, family news and funny memes and, you know, happy Merry Christmas and that kind of thing. So it's really special and unique when you can mm -hmm. find the like-minded with whom you can bat these things around. All that to say, when someone posts something in our thread, there are different perspectives, mm -hmm. not all saying the same thing, but Michelle sees something and Anita adds to it. And then I throw something in. And so it definitely is a conversation, but there are topics that we aren't afraid of and that we find some similarity in like any of us would have pegged one of those articles or topics and been okay with it and have the capacity to, um, kind of look into it, but it, it doesn't seem heavy to me. And I don't always have, sometimes I just do a thumbs up, <laughs> whatever somebody right. says. And yes. that's good enough. Yeah. I do think it, uh, to your point, Michelle, and, and you as well, Anita, it, it is informing because we don't, we don't catch everything. And often it's the stories that kind of get buried, or we don't know the nuances about them that we need to be knowledgeable about. And I, one thing I've appreciated about Michelle is that she has made me very aware of the anti-Semitism, you know, in our country, in our country, mm -hmm. stop there. I was going to say the world, no, in our country mm -hmm. and, um, what it's like to live with the terror of that, the fear of it and the constant badgering. And of course we've seen that erupt more this month mm -hmm. as well. Uh, which is interesting, isn't it? The month we're celebrating the birth of Christ. Um, so anyway, I, I think that's the value of this conversation group that we have in a text 
thread as well. You know, what are the things that one of us is more in touch with than the other and can bring to the forefront and it can inform us and then we have a place to go with it in our minds and other conversations. And I think one of the other things um, that I was thinking about too is when a topic comes up that maybe I've not formed an opinion on, listening to other seasoned followers of Jesus helps me think about what I, where I might land on a particular issue. I think that's another um, really helpful part of this. It is that iron sharpening iron. Uh, I mean, on many things, I certainly know right where I am and stand and et cetera, and, and where my opinion is. But then there's some other things, and I I really want and need to hear from others. And um, I think it's interesting, Melinda, that you raise the political piece. I, and I still I'm still troubled by that. And I was going to even ask Michelle, maybe ten years ago, that didn't seem to be we that wasn't a thought in no. it, at all. What? Yeah. What happened? what happened? I, I always go, what happened? I, <laughs> well, what was there even to text about 10 years ago? We were all hmm. just in the stream going along. Maybe. There was oh, no... I, I wasn't, but that's just... I'm, well, I mean, I'm we had always, our issues. Yeah, I'm always questioning kind of the way that power is used. So whether that is um, in the church or whether it's in culture, even before Me Too, mm. um, I, I've known many um, abuse survivors of, of clergy sexual abuse. And so I've, I've learned never to take things quite at face value. And um, is that, is it unhealthy? Is it suspicious? It can be, you know, my own propensity is you know, to go into kind of self-protection mode. And actually these kinds of conversations, when you've got some people that it's safe to kind of explore ideas with, um, kind of keeps me from retreating to a defensive posture. Curiosity is a very powerful um, tool. And even if let's say you're listening and everyone around you is kind of a cookie cutter politically or socially. Maybe it isn't that you can have a big, deep conversation about current events, but you can always ask a little bit of an annoying question or a challenging question or a curious question just to see if you can move the needle a little bit and get to why um, if if you've got questions. There's always a way to kind of go into a conversation, especially if everyone around you is saying one thing and you're not sure you're exactly where you are with it. Mm -hmm. And I, I use, I'm so glad you said curiosity. I just had written that down on my paper here. Um, questioning and curiosity. I, I don't think we've necessarily been encouraged to be questioning and curious rather than to just accept what is. Um, and and so I think that's part of our 
particular bent, we are all three curious people and quick to ask questions. And uh, I think that that's, that's something that can be cultivated. If it's something that you don't seem to come by naturally, or, or you don't see that you have that, you can cultivate that. Just start asking questions, whether or not they're out loud, even in your mind, just start asking questions. What, what else would you say about how to cultivate curiosity, either of you? Well, one thing I think is until me too, I think we may have had topics and I think Michelle, you are bent that way Mm. toward curiosity and toward, you know, kind of taking the the temperature of what's going on. But I think a lot of us were Lottie Dars. Now we talked about things that were controversial on Midday Connection back in the day and sometimes took heat for that as Mm -hmm. well, because we weren't going along in the stream. Right. But I think with with me too, with the politics, with the pandemic, it has erupted in new ways. And I think curiosity feels uncomfortable and unfamiliar to a lot of people right now and scary. I think um, when I remember when the pandemic started, Brene Brown talked about conspiracy theorists and she said it's really a fear response. It's Mm self-protection. And so, so. um, you know, these have caused dividing lines in our conversations as well. So things have gotten a lot hairier, mm-hmm. I think, with with talking about things and being alert. I think we're more alert than ever. It's like, what next? Who yeah. did what? Who said what? And I think of this anti-Semitism. Michelle, you've probably been aware of that forever. Mm-hmm. Well, not me. <laughs> All, all this current culture and stuff, it's been dig, dug up like in a garden. It's made me super aware. I've, I, and it's almost been overwhelming as well. And it feels overwhelming to be curious. And I think, honestly, some people don't have the capacity. It's too much or it's too much emotionally for them. Or they don't want to rock the boat, honestly. Mm-hmm. They, they like things. They've rationalized. Things are okay, really. And stop paying too much attention. Well, the other the other temptation that's I think unique to Christians, um, well, maybe it is to people of many different religions, but if you're serious about your faith, there's always a temptation to put a bow on the end of a conversation and make sure that it has. Um, a good Bible verse, a good application, and somehow to try to make it fit into Christian talk. And to have the confidence to be a Christian in an uncomfortable conversation, um, there, there is a confidence that means you don't have to put a sermon button on the end of your your conversation in order for it to glorify God. You can speak out of who you are. You can ask questions out of who you are and have confidence that God is in the midst of this and he is at work in the midst of this and you don't have to, you know, kind of put that sermon on the end to make it fit or make you more comfortable, make your hearer more comfortable. Have you heard this phrase or read it this year? 
that says something like, if you feel you have to defend God, you need to consider if that's an idol or something like that. Ooh, have you seen that one? That's good. Yeah. And Ooh. you know, I think <laughs> as I hear you talk, Michelle, that there's this idea that we have to defend the faith mm-hmm. or God's going to go down the tubes. <laughs> right. It's all or, up to us. <laughs> or what? It's all up to us. Yeah. Or how about this? Our rights will be taken. Life will be true. You know, it's a lot of defense here and there too. But yeah, I agree with you, Michelle, about this idea that we have to defend the faith. <laughs> right. That's, we've, we all, because we're all in the same age group and we all came out of um, a particularly um, strict form of, of Christianity, we learned that apologetics is how we meet everything, any questions. And for those, if somebody's listening and they're not sure what that is, it's basically people that are really good at high school debate and and, <laughs> well, and they've applied those debate skills to um, data about Christianity. And it can come from a really good place. Yes. But we don't all, like, I, I can appreciate the impulse behind that, but we all don't have to constantly be God's PR department. <laughs> you know, like, we can just be people who love him and are are grateful to be able to be in conversation with another human being who was made in his image. So I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll tell you exactly what comes to my mind is how much we were questioners on Midday Connection. And I find it very interesting that our program was replaced with an apologetics program. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I, I do. I think about that all the time. I mean, and I'm not, oh, Nina. I, and I'm not saying, you know, hey, that's, that's not bad their prerogative is not bad but but I certainly noticed that that's that's all I would say you know I found that interesting well Well, um, I remember one of our hot topics at the end was on the Milrose Club which was a conversation group we had every Friday and um I'd raised this question about um is the man the head of the home that whole thing that's right I forgot and I went and asked one of the, the Jewish professors and he said no it doesn't mean that it means that the man is the cheerleader of the home and he should make sure that everybody is moving toward their potential. Mm-hmm. And are you agreeing, Michelle? Yep. <laughs> and when I said that on air, our boss came <laughs> to my door and gave me a little talking to him running. It, it wasn't going along in the stream. And it was a matter of months after that, where actually we were released, <laughs> but from the program, but yeah, it's just, it, just fascinating. Uh, yeah, not don't rock the boat. Don't yeah. get you know stay yeah. in the stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Michelle, I thought you know we've got time for a couple of questions. To to I mean, obviously we were just talking about questioning curiosity mm-hmm. and conversation in general, but you brought a question today to our group, and yeah, I'd love for you to nice, introduce light, it. Fun one. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> My favorite color. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a fun one. Um, here it is. So we've watched the rise in authoritarian regimes around the world in places like Turkey and Venezuela and Italy. And we are also in current news 
seeing protests against established authoritarian regimes in China and Iran. Who knows by the time this airs, what mm. will have unfolded or whether sure. those will be um, ancient and silent history. We, we see it in Russia as well. There's been some of that bubbling up there. Um, in the US, we've also seen a greater appetite for a strongman leader or an authoritarian um, particularly on the political right side of things, but it's not exclusive to the right. So why do you think that having an authoritarian kind of head of state dictator um, seems to have appeal to a growing number of people, both in our country and in the West? Hmm. See, I told so you. Michelle, I, so, I, Michelle, what do you think? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, I asked the question. I'll jump right in, Anita. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go on, you guys. Well, can Come I on. can I raise ask this question, um, which initially I thought, well, I don't know, but I also think there there's an element of this that people are just tired and they kind of want someone to step up and. Hmm and make a decision that seems like a lame response but i do think that is a no, I, little piece I think of this that's something i think you've got something there what do you think they're tired of life the world every day i i'm i am tired let me think i am sick and tired mm-hmm. of shootings killing people everywhere multiple mass shootings i cannot believe that our elected officials will not listen to the majority of the American people and do something. I am not saying that hunters don't need guns to hunt where they hunt, you know, whatever. I'm saying that things like an AR-15 are absolutely unnecessary. That is my opinion. And it's a strong, I feel it really deeply. I, and so I'm so tired. Authoritarian leaders, what do no. they- how do they help with that? Well, they don't. They don't really. They seem to lean into that. They seem to want, they don't know. So, but, but I am tired. And so, uh, so I'm not sure how my thought about people just voting. I think there are some people that are tired of the debate, tired of the unrest and the chaotic nature, and they want someone almost to put the hammer down. Now that's not what I want, but I think that that is a piece of it. Um, and, and yeah, Melinda, I, I, I think I, this is what I've picked up around the world is the economy. People mm-hmm. are revolting against whatever economic trouble that country is having immigrants mm-hmm. and pandemic structures. And I think they want someone to get control of things so that their life is easier and, you know, making you know, more money or whatever. I I keep seeing those themes arise in Mm -hmm. our country. I, I don't even know (laughs) what, 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 what has happened. I, I do add in, in our country, what I've seen about how authoritarianism has uh, found a new girlfriend or boyfriend or marriage partner in Mm. Christianity yeah okay um you know there's some kind of a synergy going on there and this is what i think about you know evangelicalism over the last years a deterioration was this this power 
and also wanting to be in control and have things the right way. And so if there's an authoritarian leader that can promise that, suddenly it turns into God's will. <laughs> yes. You can't argue with God. <laughs> oh boy. It is, I think uh, an impulse as old as when Israel said, give us a king. Mm -hmm. We want to be like all the other kids in the neighborhood. And they all have kings. We need a king. This this way that we're doing things with judges and judges are talking to God and prophets are talking to God. It's all so nebulous. We need to see a king and he will guide or lead us. That desire is, it's not new. And in our fractured politics right now in our fractured culture you know there's people that want their guns there's people that want drag queen story hour and we all are living in the same place and um i think that that weariness is there i think the fear of um stalemate that things just are kind of frozen and they've been frozen and so the idea of compromise it 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 feels like a a moral failure to the people who have hardline positions that there's no and maybe you give the drag queen an ar-15 i don't know but you know that mm. that yeah. is the world that we're in right now is that it's winner take all and when you get into that zero-sum mindset, I'm not really sure how we work our way out of it. Are, so so you, uh, I think one of the things that's coming into my mind hearing you talk, Michelle, is uh, it doesn't matter if you're on the right or on the left. You know, there are fringes of both. Where Where are the centrist people? Where is the compromise, the conversation, the... Right. Well, and I, I think a lot of those centrist people um, have gone kind of quiet. And it's not the same kind of silent majority that Richard Nixon referenced during his presidency low so many years ago. But um, I think that there are people in the center. Or they, they view themselves that way we've lost the ability to understand how to um, figure out a compromise, not handing an AR-15 to a drag queen. That's just a, a horrible picture you're all welcome with now to, um, <laughs> to enjoy that image. But um, the idea of where are even small places that mm -hmm. we can meet? And part of that goes back to where we started being able to figure out how to have a conversation with a neighbor um, or a friend um, is a, a practical, tiny little thing that we can do um, just to kind of fight the temptation, just to look for somebody to lead us out of the morass. Mm -hmm. So asking a question, having a conversation, sitting down to eat with somebody who absolutely is not where you are socially or politically is a very powerful kind of rebuke to that authority 
Trinitarianism. I can hardly say it, but you know what I'm trying to say. I was thinking 20 years ago, it seemed like we elected a president and then we elected people in the House and the Senate and they were supposed to work together. And then on the news, you heard the president talk about how they weren't doing that. But it all was kind of in this swing, you know, that kind of swung back and forth and back and forth. Now, I feel like the Senate and the House are nothing. And the president is the king. The president's the power person. Right. And and this is really missing now, this sense that I think we've lost respect for leaders. And they seem irrelevant and they don't seem to have the power and there's not the conversation back and forth. That's, that seems like a model that I wonder if it's just been lost. Right. And it, it's not just here in the U S um, with our right. dysfunctional politics. It's, it's everywhere. I have friends that live in Israel. I have friends in Europe and I hear from them the same kind of impulses that are around them, maybe not quite as out there and dramatic. The United States is a, is big and casts a long shadow compared to Italy or the UK or or Israel. But um, nonetheless, there's there's something that people are are longing for someone to come mm-hmm. and restore order and. Um, or they want power or they, they want and they yes. think they can get it through Mr. or Mrs. or Miss so-and-so right. yeah. who's up I'll for say. election or re-election. You are my ticket to power. Right. Mm. Right. Oh. Well, friends, Maybe do we you see that? that in the Christian community too. It's really disheartening. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yes. yes it's a, very it's much the same. And that's, um, it's, Interesting. When I first came to faith in Jesus, back when Richard Nixon was president, um, the first church I ended up at was it was a very small little group called the Plymouth Brethren, mm-hmm. and they prided themselves on not having a single pastor. They were run by a group of elders. These were typically untrained men, which meant you got all kinds of <laughs> all kinds of different sermons good bad and often drawn from whatever they heard on the radio but um they it was the idea about a diversity of power a diversity of voices it was male only leadership but that idea of a community or a team trying to figure out how to shepherd a church really imprinted me um, and kind of ruined me for the hierarchical images that I've seen in most of the other churches we've been at. Um, It's hard. It's hard to do life that way. It's hard to do church that way. It's hard to work on things like consensus. And, you know, it doesn't always work. It's very idealistic in many settings, but there's value in not concentrating power in one person's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that. The, the, <laughs> the sad, yeah. Right. We've seen that again and again, the downside of that. Wow. 
Um, and we're not drawing any conclusions here today. You know, we're hoping that you'll keep your conversation going maybe with a friend um, about some of these very things that have been raised here today. And and maybe now's a good time to transition to another topic. And Melinda, let's let's turn to you. Let's... Okay. Well, you know, last time we talked, uh, we talked about movies and TV shows. Yes. And I think Anita, one of your favorite movies was Sound of Music. Yes, ma'am. Love it. 1859, Rogers and Hammerstein. And um, one of the songs that was very popular that they wrote was called My Favorite Things. Mm. So that's my question for us today. What are a few of your favorite things? Hmm. And I have some. I can get us going. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Get us started. Yeah, yes. Think a little bit. Okay. Um, I wrote a few down. The first one I wrote down was rain. Oh. Rain that can be heard on a metal roof, on a window, on a pavement with tires running over it. Swish, swish. In fact, sometimes on Spotify, I play rain or distant thunder to help me go to sleep. I just find rain to be so comforting and cozy. And I live in a place where they now don't have a lot of rain. And when it does rain, sometimes I go out and stand in it or just open the windows to listen to it. It's like music to my ears. So that that was the first thing. Um, another is bird song in the morning. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And we have that here where we live at the coast of California. Nice. They sing for a while and then the ravens come and they go, caw, caw, caw. <laughs> and I'm just like, go away. <laughs> I just love the bird song. Um, another was a fire burning in a fireplace or a fire pit. Mm -hmm. I love to just stare into a fire and watch Mm. how it changes. It's colorful. It's vibrant. I feel like it's comforting and it's great to snuggle up next to or cook hot dogs or marshmallows Mm. in it or potatoes or whatever, chestnuts. (laughs) Um, So rain, birdsong, a fire burning, And, um, I would say a favorite thing for me has been being a dog mom Mm -hmm. and our dog passed away in March, but I just love seeing dogs. I think you have to have a dog to live in California or at least (laughs) in Orange County, because there are dogs everywhere and they're in the grocery store in the restaurants in the post office. They're everywhere. Um, and I love greeting them and seeing them and I find them fun and curious and, um, I'm curious about them and nice. Oh, those are a love few it. of my favorite things. Oh, I love that. Who's next? Well, when you mentioned, um, rain, I just had to say in the seventies when I was in high school, so this would have been probably 76, 77. I had an album, the old long play 33, you know, RPM LP, um, the mystic moods orchestra stormy weekend. And oh. it was just orchestral music with rain and thunderstorms oh. oh. behind it. To put that in the show notes. Oh yeah, yeah. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. I I listened to that over and over again. I just loved that. I would put it on while I was doing homework because there weren't lyrics. It was just orchestral. I knew some of the songs, but what was but it called I, again? Uh, it was. It's called Stormy Weekend by the Mystic Moods Orchestra. Okay. You know, I'm sure that was the London Philharmonic or whatever. They just name the orchestra whatever they want. But I, when you said rain, it made me think of that. And then I immediately thought that my love is hearing a babbling 
brook or stream. I love that sound of moving water. I I really love the moving water. You sound. like ocean waves? I like uh, bubbling brooks, but more. Okay. Okay. Uh, per- personally, I, I yeah. Um, though I I do I do like that sound because it is a soothing, calming sound for sure. Mm-hmm. But favorite things, I I um I think it made me think of favorite things now. These favorite things kind of ebb and flow with me, and I just think watercolor paints. I just I'm enjoying that right now. It's a favorite thing that I'm having fun with. Mm-hmm. Nothing no great shakes, just a lot of fun messing around with it. And so that was a favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you said bird song. I will just say seeing birds. Oh my goodness. I just come to life. And if I can go anywhere where birds are, or if I can take a little detour downtown and go to a little place called Payne park and look at the ponds, maybe there are some cool birds there this week, you know, and I'll, I'll take the detour just in case I might see some cool birds and the black bellied whistling ducks are back. And so I'll, I'll, leave, I'll stop with those and see what Michelle has to say. Well, I um, never really got to see sunsets in my life the way that I have seen them here in Florida, the sky, because we're surrounded by water um, the sky just holds color so differently than it did when I lived in Chicago. And so being, I, I have been known, my husband can vouch for this, to run outside and stand in the middle of the street and to stare at the sky if I happen to catch the, you know, out of the corner of my eye that something amazing is going on because I know it's going to be gone in five minutes or it's going to change in two minutes. And just to like, just to stand there and to soak it in, of course, to be able to go to the beach and hear the waves. I am a wave person. I am also a fountain person. I love water. Mm -hmm. So um, in any form, I, I will take it. I also enjoy animals. Um, we we have a cat and I love cats. Um, I love dogs as well, but we've always had cats. And um, when we were in Denver visiting our son a couple of weeks ago, they have three cats and they live in a thousand square foot apartment. <laughs> so those cats were everywhere all the time. They also have a turtle named Corpse. And um, <laughs> that's a great name. And the turtle um, was a lot more lively and engaged in the visit than I would have ever imagined. But I had a chance to just watch this turtle and watch the way that it it interacted. I also love since we're talking about things that are sense oriented. Mm-hmm. I love the scent of cooking food, Ooh. of flowers. I I love to be able to, a beautiful candle that has a, a really meaningful scent. Um, I, I love that. I feel like it just awakens my imagination in some really powerful ways. Just being able to smell things. Often it's 
triggers memory is particularly yes. with cooking smell yes so True. um and those things being able to enjoy a beautiful meal um to walk into an indian restaurant and get a blast mm -hmm. of you know just spices mm. I, you know i could just sit there and smell it without even eating and feel full so mm. <laughs> One of the things I, I want to say is that this this is a great exercise to think up what your favorite things are. This is a part of the what we talked about at the beginning of the program. This is this is something that actually can help develop curiosity. Asking someone what what's their favorite, you know, what are their favorite things? It's it's part of that. Yeah, Melinda. Well, I'm just looking at the lyrics of the song, and <sighs> of course, it was raindrops on roses and cream colored ponies. But this, when the dog bites, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my favorite things. And then I don't feel I so don't bad. feel so bad. Aww. So don't they have a beautiful way in our lives um, of just helping us know it's not all one way. And yes. I love I you guys, we all mentioned nature. And then Michelle, you're talking about our five senses in general. And yeah. I kind of feel like the rest of today, I want to notice those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. In the midst of all these articles we're sending each other and oh, heavy big yes. topics. Right on. Oh, you guys, thank you for being great conversation partners and in life. I really appreciate it. And here on the podcast today, thank you so much for being a part of this and joining and conversing as always appreciate Enjoyable. you both thank you for Probably. having us yeah and good to, to chat everyone. with you guys yeah and always to everyone else keep the conversation going 